ABMBev hits a road bump with the CB80. Craft beer starts a revolution in Thailand. Wanna buy a brewery? Just go to Craigslist. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer, the podcast where two drunks discuss the end of everything good in this world. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. How you doing today? Oh, pretty good. How are you, Jeremy? <laughs> Uh, it's been it's been a fun day. Uh, uh, busy. I didn't have enough time to write a, a proper intro, so that was that just seemed to be the right thing to say right about now. Well, welcome to the world of just winging it like I do. So I it, a little bit of behind the you know a little peek behind the curtain. Um, are different. You, Don't worry, we have pants on this episode. So. You do? Uh, oh, all right. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, I, I tend to like like to write everything down or at least like make uh, notes uh, to collect my thoughts uh, because I tend to I, I tend to like get off into the weeds if I don't have my, don't have a good idea of where I'm going. Tyler, he just wings it. He just like reads an article and he just goes for it. So um, I didn't have any time today to like sit down and make a lot of notes. So this is Jeremy winging it. So um, you know if you if, if you're listening to this and you realize how bad it is, then you know send us an email going Jeremy never ever. <laughs> like, do this on the fly again. Tyler, no notes, you're fine. Just be, just sit there and be angry. Apparently it's popular, so. <laughs> what are we drinking today, Jeremy? So, um, picked up a couple, I picked up a couple of things. We're starting out with uh, uh, the Big Swell IPA from Maui Brewing, um, which, uh, this strikes me as like the, uh, this strikes me as like the, 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 the peak of decadence in craft beer, because I was sitting there thinking about it. I mean, unlike Kona, that actually does not brew any of the beer that you see in the United States in Hawaii, this is actually brewed in Hawaii, which means they had to ship grain down there, and the hops, and the yeast, and brew it, brew it ferment it under temperature control, which is energy uh, uh, intensive in the tropics, can it, and ship it back here. So, you know, this is this is the world we live in. Yeah. Uh, I do love their cans, just the little design feature of kind of the extended neck where it doesn't really shoulder as prominent, a little taller. Um, they are, the cans are slightly different. I can't help but wonder if like the different style is has to do with um, because they have to get their cans sourced from another spot. I don't know, but I've always that's one thing I've always liked about Maui's cans was it's just different from this is the first uh, this is the first beer i've had from maui and you know the first impression like citrusy grapefruit aroma and yeah grapefruit pine west coast ipa you know a touch of a touch of uh, uh like caramel on there about ba- you know decent balance a little bitter but yeah that's that's a west coast ipa um yeah not changing my worldview anytime soon. I'm not sure if it's worth the energy expenditure to get it there than here again, but <laughs> it's not bad. You could throw those together in in any in any place in the United States, well, in, in the continental United States, and do the same thing. But it's all right. Good job, yeah. Maui. <laughs> Solid. Nothing that offends me, and it's drinkable. And trust me, you would understand if it uh, offended Tyler. But I'm looking at you, Stone. <laughs> Someday I'm gonna bring the delicious IPA on just to just to fuck with you. I probably won't. I I've probably held that grudge for so long. Like the amount of rage I would have just wouldn't be there anymore. Actually, you'd probably start taste it. You go, 
I don't know. I, I don't remember why I was so angry. This is not nope, bad. No, is... I, I do remember why I was so angry. But we got in the weeds a little here. See, that's what happens when I go off script. Tyler, what's the first story today? Uh, so keeping it in Hawaii, uh, AB InBev just hit a little road b- bump with their deal of purchasing the Craft Brewers Alliance and particularly Kona Brewing. Which was which was a, pretty much the reason they bought the the, the CBA. Uh, you'll have to you'll have to go back a, a few episodes, but uh, you know a quick overview of what happened. Um, basically, oh, can I give it? I, actually, you, you 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 love this story, so oh, yes. I did. So Tyler, step up. <laughs> I, first round of applause for ABM Bev for this. They made us all look like suckers. Uh, they pulled an Enron. They were the smartest guys in the room. Uh, <laughs> Without the you know complete collapse of their company, but yeah, but. Yeah. Again, weeds. So, AB Bev owned a third of the Craft Brewers Alliance. So you've got your Widmere, your Red Hook, uh, Kona, Kona, a couple others, and a, and a smattering of others, and like and a cider company. But yeah. I mean, what what you really need to know? It's Kona, it's Red Wid- Hook, and it's Widmere. Yeah. What you really need to know? It's Kona. Yeah, because that's the only profitable one right now. But. Right. Uh, they were told by the U.S. Justice Department, okay, you either have to pay, like, it was like a $100 million fine or purchase it at this stock price by this day. ABM Bev says, no, we'll pay the fine. It then turns and tanks the CBA's stock, drops it just dirt cheap. ABM Bev swoops back in and goes, tell you what, we'll give you, instead of paying 20 Four fifty or twenty two fifty a share, like we were supposed to. We'll your stocks right now at like ten dollars a share. We'll pay you sixteen. <laughs> and they took it. Deal goes through, and I'm like, we did the math on one of the episodes where this deal got announced, and they made some. Oh, I can't. I can't remember the exact numbers, but if you go back and listen. I've, was that one? Was was that one? Uh, dude, bro, on a, or uh, dude, bro on a beach. I can't remember if that one was. That okay. may have been the one where they had been given the deadline. Okay. Um, yeah, I, f- I forget which episode that was. But, you know, uh, that, that's why you should go back and listen to them all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, so, fast forward now. Uh, they hit a few hiccups. Um, so, for the deal to go through uh, and the regulars regulators to approve the deal... The CBA has to divest Kona's brewing operations in Hawaii uh, before the merger is able to take place. Um, and just a and just a quick clarification. I mean, it it's it, it was a brief scandal oh, about four or five years back. But uh, what you, you kind of need to know that uh, you know most of uh, Kona's uh, uh, operations are actually located, I believe, in Oregon. I, I think they brew most of their beer at Widmere, to be honest. But um, Widmere, Red Hook, or one yeah. of the two. Uh, but uh, most uh, Kona, uh, most Kona uh, beer is actually brewed on the uh, continental United States. Very little of it, uh, and anything you consume in the continental United States is brewed here. And they brew some for uh, for the brew pub. That's about it. Yeah. Um, so they have to um, divest all the Hawaii operations, and so basically sac- relinquish that get rid of their new 30,000 square foot, 100,000 barrel brewery uh, and any of the holdings that they have in Hawaii. Uh, They have found a purchaser for uh, the new brewery. It is 
going to be sold to PV Brewing Partners, which is a partnership between former AB president Dave Peacock <laughs> and Overland Park, a Kansas City-based or a Kansas-based family office Vantage Edge Partners. Okay. So basically an equity firm and a former AB president who got out of the beer industry when AB Im- got sold to InBev. Okay. So he is now getting back into uh, it doesn't in the ar- in either of the articles I found on Brewbound about it really get into why they're having to divest. We were specul I mean this is kind of speculation on me and Tyler's part but we're but we we're thinking there's something about a a, a barrel limit, um, and their uh, and and uh, uh, I forget the proper name, but you know, so they're so they don't have like a, a nearly a monopoly on any specific industry. Yeah, or because of the barrel limit, when you because I remember when Ten Barrel came to Boise, there was a whole thing. Well. Should we allow Ten Barrel to have a tap room because they're part of AB InBev, who uh, produces this many barrels a year? And in the state of Idaho, after you break a certain amount of barrels per year, uh, you can't have a tap room. I might be very cynical, but I still I, I still kind of maintain that that uh, uh, that they were making a big deal about that. I mean, the law existed for a reason, but I still maintain that they made a big deal about it because there are some senators that wants to get paid. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but so I almost wonder if that may be something, uh, with the, cause it's just in Hawaii. Right. And so maybe it would make the so, Hawaii portion of the company a lot harder to deal with because technically they wouldn't be able to have that new brewery or whatever. Fair. So, so that could have been it. I mean, bottom line, they have to sell that equipment, probably still brew under Kona, but who, but, but why exactly is nebulous and part of the whole uh a strange part of the whole deal yeah um with this here uh the articles kind of talk about a couple statements give you a little background on everyone um where was that other article uh so the PV Brewing Partners are paying a $16 million price tag to purchase Kona's Hawaii Brewing Operation. Okay. Um, with this here, uh, a couple things that could hold it up is if the Department of Justice determines PV Brewing is not an acceptable buyer... Uh, the purchase agreement is not an acceptable manner of divesting Kona in Hawaii, or the divesture is not an acceptable remedy in order to obtain regulatory clearance of the merger. Um, so basically, if the Department of Justice goes, no, you're not doing enough, like, this seems a little backdoorish, yeah. Well, and it, I mean, it sort of, I mean, well, a former exec, you kind of you, you kind of have to go, hmm, but I I don't think there's probably enough connecting him to his former employers to, to hold up that yeah. deal. The so, last time he worked for them was February of 2012. So, I mean, I, it doesn't sound like there's anything in there, you know, with our vast legal knowledge, as you know. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, both me and Tyler are very highly trained in beer law. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> in that uh, we, we drink a lot and we read a lot of articles and then we bullshit. Yeah. 
So, you know, we're, you're, we're as qualified as your average drunk. <laughs> uh, but with this, so it's going to give PV Brewing the rights to Kona solely in Hawaii. Nowhere else in the U.S. or internationally. Um, and with this here, it'll also, they have to enter into a couple ancillary agreements. Uh, so an intellectual property license agreement for the Kona brand. Uh, a brewing and packaging agree- agreement in which CBA and affiliate operations will brew, bottle, and package certain Kona branded beers for PV Brewing on a transitional basis. So basically, AB and Bev and the CBA will contract brew till they can get their feet under them in Hawaii. Uh, and then a distribution agreement in which PV Brewing will receive sales, promotion, and distribution services in a Hawaii via wholly owned AB distributor sales of Hawaii Inc. Alrighty. So to me, I'm like, okay, after seeing those, I'm like, I could see the DOJ being like, hey, you're basically just putting someone else to take the profits of this, but you're making them go through you for everything else. Oh, I mean, but, but I mean, AB, have, AB InBev has a proud, you know, history of that. So, uh, I don't know, but I mean, but having to, re- but that being said, having to rely on a distributor is not nothing new. No. And, and I mean, it's bullshit that AB can own distributorships wholly and it's not a violation of the three tier system. Well, of course it isn't because, you know, they have money and, and, and decided it wasn't. The part of this I do find interesting. So, like, I sort of, I think we touched on a little bit ago, but, you know, where, um, where there's a little bit of, uh, brouhaha about, about the fact that Kona wasn't actually brewed in Hawaii. In fact, there was the, um, at the time, the CBA actually had to to uh, settle it, uh, uh, settle it to some group who w- were suing them um, for uh, for basically uh, false advertising, saying it was you know Hawaii brewed. Yeah. Um, I wonder if this fires up any more a little animosity just because now you're not even the same company. Um, you know, yeah, they're still yeah they're still Kona, but now you got Kona U Kona United States, I mean, which Kona, is Hawaii, which is. Yeah, I mean, now all you have, not that you had a whole lot of connection with uh, Kona Brewing in, uh, in are they on the, I think they're on the Big Island. Um, yeah, I think so. But you, not only do you have, not only do you have no connection with the, with actual Kona Brewing on the Big, but now the only thing you really have is the name and maybe the beer lineup. Um, so, yeah, if there's, yeah. It, it's it, a little more disconnected, but I feel a lot of people don't actually care. Most people, I mean, it's a lifestyle brand, as you as you t- oh, as you I told 100% me. I hundred percent get it. <laughs> to my to, to my great dismay, and that one I know was Dude Bro on a Beach, where yeah, I I, I got a little bit. I was not the only person that gets a little bit pissed off sometime, and I had a little bit of a rant about the fuck is a lifestyle brand? I hate them. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh From the articles, though, they did say they're keeping basically all like Kona Hawaii's staff employed. They're gonna keep them true. Through this transition, have them working at the new brewery. So not a lot's going to change on that front. Uh, I did just find something. Uh, so AB InBev's not required to divest anything uh, in order to obtain any antitrust clearances. Antitrust. That was the word I was looking for. I was like struggling uh, for like monopoly something yeah. or other. Uh, but this was like kind of that one red flag because of 
Kona's market share in Hawaii. Oh, I didn't even think about that. And AB's distribution brawn. So you condense that down into a couple square miles of Hawaii. Ah, okay, that actually makes a bit of sense because you cut... You, you you look at that you like, okay but you have essentially a local monopoly yeah um you know uh we're probably drinking their biggest competitor right now um, yeah and so uh, now I think you know Maui's my favorite uh, brewery uh, in on, Hawaii <laughs> in Hawaii I guess out of the two of them I don't know there might be a third I have no idea but I I do know that there's a homebrew competition that happens every year in Hawaii and every and I get an invitation to go judge every year and every year I like I really want to go do that do it <laughs> because they I. They you, know, they you can dude bro on a beach. I can be that dude bro on a beach, and I can hate myself. But at least you almost need to enter a beer called Dude Bro on a Beach into <laughs> that competition. Well, no, it would be judging the competition. Not I know, not I know, but enter. Oh, too. fair. Um, but I'm well, except I can't be because uh, putting me on a beach is like putting a fork in the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not pretty. Oh. <laughs> There's just people just. Blind and going, dude, please put your shirt on. We can't see our towels. And your pants. <laughs> I I have the right to remain pantsless until the pandemic is over. It's written in the Constitution, albeit in crayon and in my handwriting. <laughs> and that's how Jeremy ended up at summer camp in Cuba. <laughs> Tyler, what else you have? Uh, so, sticking kind of on um, a trend of brewery sales... We had another hit on the Deadpool. Uh, so, I mean, it feels like so long ago, but, uh, you know... Uh, I know, this was the best news I saw when a, I saw a brewery sold. I was like, oh, hot damn, <laughs> let's take it. Um, you'll have to go back and look at our some social media, but uh, me and Tyler started a little game at the beginning of this year. Uh, we, we both uh, uh, wrote down a list of breweries we thought might be sold and breweries that might buy them with a point system. Two points if they if we guessed one that got sold. One point if we guessed one that got bought. And five points if we actually got the combination right. So far, it's a tough competition. We're at zero to zero. <laughs> so, Tyler, who is it? Max Fano Creek Brew Pub just sold to Copper Mountain Ale Works. And that brings the uh, leaderboard to zero and zero. Yep. We are kind of ba- bad at this. Uh-huh. Not that not that this was on anybody's. I mean, this is less a... I mean, when we kind of started this, this kind of, we were coming out of 2019 where you had like big ones like yeah. New Belgium getting sold and um, uh, and the weird one, uh, Ballast Point to Kings and Convicts. I mean, 2019 yeah. was a weird year for uh, brewery acquisitions. That should have foreshadowed what 2020 was going to develop into. I don't think anything could have <laughs> foreshadowed that. But, I mean, we th- I think we could have predicted it was going to be quieter. I don't think we could have predicted just how devastating it could have been. But so, uh, if you haven't heard of these breweries, join the club. Uh, it's kind of two smaller place breweries out of Oregon. Max Fanos Creek Brew Pub is in Tigard, Oregon. I actually know where that is. Uh huh. And then Copper Mountain Ale Works is from Beaverton, Oregon. So a little backstory here with this here, Jeremy. Would you like? To guess what the owner of Max Fano's, why he decided to 
sell after being part of the port southwest portland beer scene since 2007 um i mean i guess the most obvious answer would be that uh the coronavirus has absolutely ripped the ripped his business to shreds but i will say retiring because it just seemed like a good time Yep, he is retiring and just wanted to basically kind of get out of the industry. There's uh, so I mean, uh, Cascade, the owner of Cascade Brewing out of Portland, did kind of the same thing. Where he, I think, I think you're going to see a bit of that, where you got a lot of people just kind of looking around, going, "I could fight, I could fight, and try to keep this going, but I was over it at the best of times, and now fuck this in the pooper with a rusty hot poker." Yep, um, and the owners of Copper Mountain Ale Works uh, actually used to be, when they were both working for a software company, used to be regulars at Max Van Oaks Creek Brew Pub. <laughs> Fair um, enough. I mean, because that is how small the craft beer scene is. Yep. Uh, I mean, a little story behind, a little bit of back info on the Copper Mountain Ale Works. Uh, they started off homebrewing. Shocking, right? As, that's as so many do. I mean, that's a logical place to start. Um, out of their garage uh, under the name Progress Brewing Company. And then they got licensed as a commercial operation and changed their name. Uh, they typically tried to do Belgian and kind of European styles. Uh, with this here, they then got a one-barrel fermenter and bright tank. Slowly add... Uh, they filed a TTB application to become a legal commercial operation in 2016. Uh, and a year later, they were out selling beer. Uh, with this here, they were, after three years, were finally able to upgrade to a three-barrel brew house in their two-car garage. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Yep. <laughs> sounds like, a, sounds like a, a brewery here in town I quite admire. Yep. So with this here, uh, they did talk in the article how... Um, you know, they were excited to do this. Uh, this will give them some extra brewing capacity and they want to kind of keep up. Uh, so they'll now have a 10 barrel brew house. Okay. Uh, and they want to offer up the brewery to fellow nano brewers for contract brewing and collaborations. Nice. So kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, they're, Looking at a possible reopening as soon as June 15th. Uh, they'll still carry the old name for now, uh, but we'll be transitioning into Copper Mountain Ale Works. Um, and they'll still continue to brew for a while the existing Max Beers. So, so. Sounds, yeah, sounds, sounds like a little consolidation in the, in, in the, in the craft beer world in, in Oregon, but yeah. yeah, positive all around. I was going to say, not a ton to really dig our teeth into, just figured, eh, it's in the Northwest. It's a Deadpool hit, technically. All right. Well, quick beer, uh, quick beer uh, change. We are uh, finishing with the with the Maui Brewing. Um, I picked this one up too. Um, so this is Squatters. Um, uh, the Hop Rising has been a, a a fixture of theirs for a while. This is Squatters out of Utah. Uh, they came out with the Tropical Hop Rising. So. Oh, this is different then. So yeah, this is. Oh. So this is a, a. I thought they just redid the packaging of the Hop Rising. Well, so. I'm not saying I'm not saying they didn't. I'm saying they wrote Tropical Hop Rising on here. So I mean, right off the bat, I don't get. I get like a, like a piney, uh, kind of resiny aroma. 
Okay. Well, the, the first thing I the first thing I thought when I so the woe was hold on, hold on. All right, Tyler, yeah, you give it. A... Okay. <laughs> uh, Tyler, would you like to give uh, uh, your thoughts on it? I mean, it's way more malt forward coming through on what I can taste. But yeah, I get some of that piney. I get a little hint of tropical, but everything seems kind of subdued. I get like a little bit. I mean, reaching, I could see like reaching. I could see like pineapple. But what I really get, if you didn't have the word tropical on there, I don't know if I'd pick it up. I mean, well, it, but yeah, it's malt forward. I get a lot of caramel, a little bit of apricot, and um, and uh, um, like a you know. Like a little bit of like just doughy bread breadiness, pine resin, um, wood, like overripe orange. I got this like sense that when I first drank it, I actually looked at the bottom of the can and said, "Did did did I buy an old beer? Is this is this beer old?" It says to in, me, it kind of tasted like an old hop the, rising. The the date on that the, had just like yeah, they recalled a bunch of old beer when COVID hit. Date on the can Dry says... Dry hopped it with, like, some mangoes and pineapples, repackaged it, and sent it out. Date on the can says, enjoy by uh, August 16th. So, it should so it's should be fairly fresh if we're assuming a six-month um, six uh, uh, Best Buy date, but... I'm assuming most IPAs and double IPAs I haven't seen go over 120 days. Okay, well, I mean that, that that would make it very fresh, which is that would actually be worse. Yeah, because I mean, if it was you know if it was three months old, it's I kind of go two months old. Yeah, so um, I don't know, squatters. I, I'm kind of not selling me on the tropical uh, uh, aspect of this one. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I can get the hint of it, but it's it's not prominent enough. If you didn't put, if you wouldn't have said tropical, I would have been like. There may be something a little different about this Hop Rising, well, that, but I don't know if I would have picked it up. And I haven't had Hop Rising in uh, quite a while, so I couldn't tell you what the if what if any difference there is on this. But um, I mean, if you poured that, I think I'd be like, I mean, if you just didn't say anything and poured that, I go said this is Hop Rising, I'd be like, yep, that tastes like a West Coast Imperial IPA. I don't know where yeah. the tropical came from. Um, I don't see if it has any additional information it says on the can. Goes. Um, yep, our much loved double IPA uh, with notes of mango and citrus derived entirely from exo- from exotic hop. They use exotic hops, Tyler. Oh, okay. So I guess they're so they they read so what the, you get when you got that fucking Oscar Blues money, man. <laughs> uh, I fe- I mean. Fair, but I feel like if you've got that kind of money, that you fireman can, capital, you can you can do a little bit better. But all right, I we'll we'll stop trashing squatters <laughs> here for a second, and we'll move on. I, uh, I, I love some of their logos, like the outer darkness. One of my favorite beers from God. Me. I haven't had that in so long, and just the jabs they take at the Mormon culture. It, <laughs> do they? Or I thought that was more like a Wasatch. Oh, they they take some jabs. Okay, too. Wasatch. It was just the polygamy. I mean, that was a good jab. And then, is it Wasatch or is it Squatters that had, fuck, the one with the the Doppelbach where it's the Ram. Devastator. Yeah. Yeah, that's Wasatch. 
Okay. Wasatch, I feel, thumbs its nose at the church a little bit more than, I think, Squat. Well, I, I think, first of all, they're, like, very, they're, like, sister companies, if not, yeah, like. Yeah, so it's the Utah Brewers Guild. Yeah. Which is owned by Oscar Blues and Fireman Capital. So, you know, I mean, they're basically the same, two, you know, they're kind of a CBA of yeah. Oscar Blues. But um, but I feel like I feel like Was- this Wasatch brand uh, picks more fights with the church than Squatters, but I could be wrong. Uh, if you know if you know if Squatters picks more fights, uh, send us an email. You can get us a hold of us <laughs> at itsallbeer at gmail dot com. <laughs> I, I do think uh, Wasatch definitely takes them on more head on, but I think Was or Squatters does get a couple jabs in. Ah, fair enough. Okay, bring a revolution news now. Um, Viva la revolution! We often we call the, 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 you know, the change uh, in, in taste and everything uh, the craft beer revolution in the United States. But actually in some parts of the world, the, uh, uh, this is actually sparking a little minor revolution. It's, and this is, I found this story uh, today and it's kind of heartening to see how a little thing like making beer can can uh, you know send waves downstream and have a greater effect um this story is from uh, uh Shawshank Bengali from the LA Times um and uh i was really hoping you were going to say redemption at the end of the name but it does sound like a name like sounds like you know a name like you know like a like one of those create your own porn names um well Shawshank redemption yeah but actually, it's not the funniest name that this uh, that, that this article is going to come Let's up with. Strap on in. So at some point in time, Tyler is going to be giggling like a thirteen-year-old boy. Um, oh boy! <laughs> all right, but oh. if you think the laws in your state uh, are have been shitty, we've covered most of them: Texas, Maryland, Pennsylvania, Minnesota, Maryland. Oh, you said Maryland. Say Maryland. Yeah. But uh, Maryland again. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thailand, objectively worse. So um, That's hard to do. So, for all intents and purposes, craft beer is illegal. Um, now, specifically, you you know, uh, you can brew your own beer. But prostitution is it? But, well, of course not. Um, but uh, you can brew your own beer, but if you try to sell home-brewed beer... Uh, you will you run the risk of getting fined, um, of spending some time in jail, or more likely some officials coming to your door asking for a bribe um, or killing you. That actually not too much. I mean, as the story as the story goes into, I mean, but the 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 the, the part of the story is that basically this there's a law in place to protect um, the, the big brewers. Well, basically all the all the breweries and there's like four in Thailand. Um, are owned by two families who are cozy with the government, and so so they are the government. So I mean, this is this is a tale of some pretty heavy corruption, but the law is to uh, the the law is basically there to protect their interests. AB and Bev, take note. <laughs> AB, I mean, you all you have to do is buy yourself into a regime, and I feel like you've already done that. But um, um, and then who cares about the United States beer market? <laughs> But I mean, it's, it's, I, it's, it, it, there's a lot. But there's a lot of holes in the story that I didn't quite understand. I don't know at what point in time because uh, at some point in times it seems like quasi legal to to run a brewery in Thailand. Um, but it or you know or if it's or it sounds like basically it it's sort of legal if you just pay off the right officials. But for all intents and purposes, 
And you thought opening a craft brewery in America was expensive. Um, but uh, a, um, a, a, a one person in particular is uh, not only... Um, not only running a pretty thriving, uh, thriving craft beer uh, uh, business, um, but he is uh, teaching fellow uh, uh, his fellow citizens how to make beer out of his little shop um, outside of uh, Bangkok. Um, and it's actually uh, uh, him and his brother, and they're from uh, uh, Croquette, uh, Thailand. I'm probably maybe butchering that name, but there's a bunch of names I'm going to be uh, uh, butchering here, but... Um, the uh, uh, the the gentleman he has a longer name, but the article calls him Chit. Um, and his younger brother who helps him is Porn. <laughs> so Chit and Porn, <laughs> Chitty Porn. <laughs> but uh, uh, Chit is actually uh, he's he actually comes his story is kind of interesting. So um, a bit of from his background. Um, well. First of all, I mean, he's kind of been leading this, like, he's kind of become the godfather of craft beer in Thailand. Um, and he got... So his, he's the Charlie Papazian kinda, of Thailand? Yeah, he's kind of, he's kind of, he's the, he's the first person who, like, like, put it together and he started teaching other people and actually, you know, the uh, a, a modest uh, industry has sort of grown up in the shadows in Thailand because of him. Um, I feel someone needs to reach out and get him over here. Him and, like, Charlie Papazian do, like, a collaboration brew. I mean, I do want to make a, a beer called Chit and Porn now. Uh, because, A, the name makes a giggle. And, B, you know, out of out of respect, because uh, what they're doing is actually fantastic. So, um, um, Chit's... Uh, Who uh, names their fucking kid Porn? Uh, it's like actually part of a longer name, but uh, that's just. I mean, I think the article just said we're writing for an American audience, so we're just going to shorten these names so they can pronounce. That being said, we're going to make them white. But that being said, I, I don't think they mean the same thing <laughs> in Thai. But although the the funny thing is, is the tagline for uh, Chit's Brewery is is that's good Chit. Yes. <laughs> so. He knows, <laughs> but he actually did spend some time in the United States. So actually, his childhood he grew up uh, in a in a rural part of Thailand, and actually he had he was a big fan of alcohol uh, at the time because his father would often get drunk and scream at his mother. He would uh, uh, pass the time. He, he would he at the t- a lot of times he would go run and hide and like you know in the house and read. And he became like a, he became a voracious reader um, to the point where he did extremely well in school. He actually um, then uh, uh, made it into the military Academy uh, in Thailand, which is a pretty big deal is from what I, and I'm okay. There's a lot about, there's a lot about the, like the politics and the structure that I don't understand. So forgive me if I if I get something wrong, but um, he got into the military uh, Academy in uh, Thailand, which, you know, their West point, um, and then from there, he actually um, um, he kind of he, he didn't tip it, he didn't really like the Thai military life, but he wanted to move to the United States. So he actually applied for and was granted um, a place in the Virginia Military Institute. Oh damn! Uh, and then went on to Georgia Tech uh, for his doctorate. Um, and then in 1996, he actually had his first uh, his his first uh, real taste of uh, of craft beer, and it was uh, a uh, um, a, a a fellow cadet who was making beer and um, and he was you know like shared it with him and I he was he was kind of first of all I was like something he was taken with the idea that you could make it because um, 
you know, where he came from, you, they, these two, you know, there's only like four types of beer. And the idea that you could just make that in your house was kind of a, uh, that was still even a new thing for the United States at, um, in the in '96 because home brewing didn't get legal till what '88 '86. Uh, Carter, so '70 something. Was it '70s? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I Carter, it was later. Than Carter that. officially made it legal in the '70s. I want to say '76, but I could be wrong. Hold on, I'll look it up. Um, but actually, according to the article I'm quoting here, uh, Chit used an expletive to describe the taste. Uh, but he said, uh, quote, what impressed me was the idea that you could make this at home. I wanted to brew beer, too, but mainly so I wouldn't feel lonely. I thought if I had beer, friends would come over. So. <laughs> I, that's a little sad, but uh, I, I'm glad he's made it work. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the story up to this point kind of tells a story of kind of a lonely kid who kind of grew into a lonely adult. And, you know. Uh, 78. 78. Was when homebrewing okay. got legalized. I was too up. Uh, uh, I was two years off, but um, but anyway, but he kind of got interested in you know he got interested in craft in brewing beer to you know kind of be cool, which not the dumbest reason I have ever heard of. I mean, I, I've heard worse ideas. So um, uh, uh, after that, he uh, um, he actually uh, was uh, uh, while going to school, he was a computer programmer and a bartender at Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, All right, which he dubs. Which actually, he uh, then used that as inspiration for his own chicken wings at his current brewery. Which I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> you know, I kind of want to go to this fucking brewery, drink some illegal craft it beer, sounds... and eat some um, Thai chicken wings that are like chicken wings are such an American thing too. And so, just seeing like his spin on it would be fucking awesome. I mean, it sounds like I mean, it's it's it sounds like a kind of a, a cool place to go because I mean, it it the 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 author who went down there and described as kind of this ramshackle joint that when he was down there uh, they had like Frank Sinatra playing My Way on the uh, you know uh, on there with a lot of pop, um, and you had Thai uh, you, you had Thai people in in uh, uh, the court in their uh, uh, canvas suit shoes and tourists. Uh, down there at the same time, but it kind of seems like this. There are a few pictures. That, it's like a melting pot. But I mean, you can kind of see from like the sixties. Uh, I mean, there's so there's like a there's a, a picture of part of the brewery right there, and I'll you know I'll put, post this article on. Well, we put all, all of our articles on Twitter. Um, but are those his fermenters? Those are like where he keeps the grain. But that's a picture of the actual brewery from the outside. And okay, it's a, it's a waterfront place. So you got like a nice outdoor spot, but you know. Um, and uh, that's the picture of Chit himself with uh, you know having some beers with people. Oh, nice! But um, I want to try those chicken wings now. But uh, anyway, so yeah, he was uh, doing that at the same time uh, when he finished his doctorate. He actually spent the flight over from uh, uh, from the United States back to Thailand. I mean, his you know he kind of had this experience going. Yeah, I can do this, you know, in America. Why couldn't I do this in Thailand? I mean, it's technically illegal, but why couldn't I? And so he he, you know, on the sixteen-hour flight back home, he basically made sit there, sat, sat there, and wrote out the plan for the rest of his life. Uh, got back home, started a logistics company, uh, earned enough money to uh, buy his parents uh, buy his parents a house, um, set himself up, and then start brewing. All right. And so um, it kind of started off. So he, so like 
the people you're talking about, he started off uh, uh, home brewing in 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 Thailand, um, and he uh, he started off by ordering kits off of Amazon, and hey, you you, you, you get what you can get. Um, little rocky start. Part of me is like, I wonder if he ever ordered any equipment from the homebrew shop that you and I both used to work at that sells on Amazon. Oh, that's a good that's a good question because. Uh, That's why I started laughing at the I don't, Amazon part. I don't remember. I don't remember any Thailand. There was. I remember distinctly. Um, there was uh, one person we regularly shipped to in the United Arab Emirates. Yeah. And we had to package each like set of ingredients separately. We had to package mm-hmm. the malt separately, the, or the malt extract and the hops and the yeast. And nothing could have any word of malt or like. Right. So we had to package. Like, hops or the word brew on it or whatever had to be like the most discreet fucking packaging you'd ever did right so uh, yeah we had to package it special not include anything that might suggest what it is um and there sounds again from the article it sounds like there's a there's some kind of legal restriction against it in thailand um but it mentions that probably customs uh, officials at the time didn't know what the hell it was and so just pass it on um but he he it did note that his first attempts at brewing beer were a little rocky, um, mostly because I mean, he found that the the beer he was making was flat, way too sweet, like really caramely. Um, it took a minute to figure out that those uh that those white packets he was throwing away wasn't like uh like the packing the the stuff they uh, that absorbs oxygen, that was actually the yeast he was throwing away. Oh yeah. <laughs> So once he figured that out, actually things got uh, a little bit better. Um, but he started that uh, uh, in 2012. By 2014, um, he was hosting uh, regular tastings at his house uh, for homebrew, and that was also when he began um, uh, teaching others, you know, how to do this. And he actually, the first thing, he, you know, before he even had his own brewery, he was like the Papazian for Cambodia's uh, uh, brewing industry because he was. Teaching uh, people in Cambodia uh, uh, how to, how to brew beer, you know, and and he and adding like a Thai flair to it. So he was adding, you know, um, some special ingredients uh, like uh, you know certain berries, lemongrass, uh, kefir lime, um, and a special type of ginger called uh, ganagal. I'm gonna take a run at that. Close enough. Um, just to name a few. Um, so the, the so the so the beer that he was making had a, like a special Thai flair. And so, and then the, people would take that and go to Cambodia or Laos and start brewing. And there became a, a demand for Thai beer. But the weird thing was Thai beer was being brewed in, you know, everywhere else but Thailand. And the the taxes to import beer were just in fucking sane. And so it was about that time he opened uh, opened up uh, Chit's Brewing. And, uh, you know, it's... It sounds like he's got kind of a normal, you know, talking about, you know, he had he brews a few ambers, a few American style IPA with mosaic hops. Oh damn! Um, you know the it he was it, it very much was like, you know, I mean, he's taking a risk, but I mean, he attributes it to number one, he's not big enough that he's really that he's not producing enough beer to really make it worth anybody's trouble. Um, to come down and it's like, easier to take a bribe than basically, it is to shut him down. Basically, he just puts up with you know police coming every once in a while to either find him or take a bribe, 
and you know, or and and then be on their merry way. They occasionally raid the joint, and but he continues brewing. But uh, um, this it's and up until recently, he's kind of been like this, you know, silent person just giving the finger to the to the government and the uh, the Anheuser Busch of his country. Up until kind of fairly recently. Now, I mean, again, I'm not, I don't quite understand the full extent of the politics involved, but in 2019, a, uh, a you know, a far right party, uh, very pro military, and the military has kind of a, uh, has a kind of a, a fractured history in Thailand, uh, especially after they, there was a military coup in 2014. Okay. And so, um, now, somewhere between the military coup, they had actually they actually had a a, a, a very vibrant democracy. Still have, uh, I, as I understand, but a far right party is re- recently uh, uh, taking control as of 2019. Of course, we have no idea what that's like. Uh, <laughs> but you know, especially especially one that's cracking down on dissidents and uh, and and you know anybody speaking out against the government. A um, little bit harsher there because you know there's you can get shot. Yeah, uh, but uh, one of the uh, one of the people um, again, his name is much longer. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. In the article, they just call him Tao. Um, he was he he had uh, learned from uh, Chit, and um, in 27 and he started a brewery himself. Uh, but in 2017, police um, arrived and demanded a bribe. You know, so not something that unusual because it sounds like that's kind of the cost of doing business in Thailand. I, I feel in most, like, second, third world, in a, in a lot of outside of, like, first world countries, and I don't know if Thailand technically falls in first world or second world. I don't, you know, I think, well, it's not second world. Second world uh, is is like former communist. Okay. And they were never, I you know, Vietnam, yeah, but, but I mean, I think you'd technically call it third world, but they're, I mean, they're a fairly well-developed country, but. But uh, I feel in like that third, second, and third, low second areas, Bribes are just normal part of doing business. Well, I mean, I, 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 I mean, it, it, it is in America too. You're just a little more discreet about it. Well, I, I, I no, I think you're absolutely. I don't know about Thailand, but I mean, near, nearby in India, there, I remember listening to an Indian comedian, um, and he was talking about bribes were so ubiquitous uh, there that um, so um, quick. This getting way off into the weeds, but um, they uh, uh, India actually like like. Uh, basically recalled all their money and so uh, this was like a couple years ago so they basically just said nope we're like reprinting all the money so you have to bring all your notes in they're all worthless now and the comedian noted because people like like panicked and scrambled like you would like all your money is now worthless so you need to come to the bank and get new money and of course it caused huge long lines you know at every bank and the comedian noted, he said, he said the, the problem was is that in the, you know, in the Indian mind, you're looking at a long line, you go, this is horseshit, who do I bribe? <laughs> I mean, and it is super prominent, because I remember it, when I was working at DirecTV, we had a training, like, in your first part of training, about, hey, we don't give bribes to, like, these kind of officials, and they're like, in some cultures, that is what's considered, like, par for the course, you can't do that. Yeah. And I was like, well, I, I don't think working in the fucking call center I'll ever have to deal with that. But, huh, I guess it really just drives home the fact. A lot of other countries, you're bribing, you give. <laughs> 
But anyway, so Tao, uh, uh, well, they came demanding a bribe. He didn't have the money for a bribe, so he got arrested and was forced to pay a fine. But um, he went on television to basically finally, like, speak out against the alcohol laws in Thailand. And he joined the, basically the, the, the Progressive Party, the Future First. Um, um, and then... Um, even though that, even in 2019, even though the 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 far right party won, Future Forward finished a surprising third with like uh, 80 seats, and including Tao actually got elected to one of those seats and um, became the second member, second youngest member of the Thai legislature. Oh damn! Um, so, which, which in a sense, um, strangely turned like um, his bar, and it's called the uh, Tao Pihop Bar. I'm sorry for my horrible pronunciation. Basically, that now his parliamentary office. Fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and, and so, so this is the scene that I just love so dearly. So I'm just gonna go ahead and read it instead of trying to like uh, the the author does a pretty a good uh, a good he uh, uh, Shawshank does very well describing this. So quote: On a warm night in January, Tao sat behind a microphone, beer in hand. And at a small in a small bar above a Bangkok bookshop, he invited some of Thailand's roughly seventy craft beer makers to discuss the party's proposal to eliminate the minimum requirements for brewers and distillers, allowing them to manufacture beer and spirits domestically. So essentially, a remove that limitation that essentially makes craft beer illegal, uh, because you have to uh, you make ha- a minimum amount of like, according barrels. to this. According to this, it's like you have to make a hundred thousand liters a year. Or and they say uh, the equivalent of eight hundred single serving bottles a day to qualify for a license. So I mean, you have to be they remove the floor. And... Yeah. Um, and he said, "quote People want to see small businesses fight against big corporations. They really want us to be the symbol of change in this country." And moments later, the door creaked and in walked in Chit. And brewers put down their beers, some joining their palms in respect. And when Chit spoke, he was measured. He said, "We need to unlock home brewing so people have a have peace of mind when they make beer." But as far as a commercial business, I'm not sure how far we can go. Oh damn! So, um, but uh, and that was, I mean, that's kind of about as far as uh, 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 as Chit wanted to get into the politics of it. Because I mean, Tao became kind of is becoming this uh, a force for like using beer for political change in the country. Um, um, he, uh, but shit, like, yeah, he, he's a little bit worried that it's going to spark a backlash from the military. Yeah. And, um, they actually had to dissolve the future forward party because of pressure. But I mean, there's, Tao is still fighting and, you know, has a, has a lot of alliances basically using beer as this like spearhead to, to fight Change. for, for basically fight for small businesses and fight for you know against you know big big entrenched corporate interests in and thailand corruption and- yeah so but uh but yeah and that's kind of and that's kind of where they, they find themselves today uh you know uh both leading their uh, uh their quiet revolutions um uh chit is uh chit is the man who's like you know uh, Tao is gonna be the guy fighting for uh, uh, fighting for. Uh, Chow is the Brewers Association. Chen is Papazian, who's gonna make you know it's like 
we'll just teach everybody to brew beer and then they can't stop it. Yeah. You know, they they can't stop everybody from brewing beer. We, we legalize everyone brewing their own beer and it doesn't fucking matter. Um, Chet's uh, classes have a two-month wait list. Um, but uh, 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 he... Uh, uh, he says that um, basically, in Chit's view, the weight teaches them. You know, weight teaches them the value of the future. A catalyst like yeast for political awakening. So, all right, there you go. That's... They're also <laughs> battling another part. I just saw an article. Google suggested an article for me this morning when I got up, saying uh, apparently a lot of bar owners in Thailand are like fighting with the government to try to let them let reopen their bars during the COVID-19 pandemic now and do like a trial run of reopening bars. So they've got another battle in front of them too. (laughs) So there we go. Um, You know, for what it's worth, uh, uh, good luck, chit, tau, and porn. (laughs) And I promise the last time I'll giggle at your names. (laughs) Well, if they're done being over in Thailand, they can buy a brewery here in the United States. Oh, really? Now, where would they find said brewery? I mean, same place AB InBev does. Right next to the men seeking men, men seeking women, women seeking women, personalized section of Craigslist. <laughs> is it right next to, or is that just where you went after you were done with those? No. Uh, I think Craigslist actually removed those sections. Actually, I, I haven't been to Craigslist for I years. haven't either, so... Once they removed those, I, did, I, fa- I failed to see the point, but... <laughs> I do have a buddy who hooked up with a girl off Craigslist, and I was like, please tell me you bathed in bleach afterwards. <laughs> I mean, that feels like a a, 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 a highway to a... <laughs> like, that's like highway to VD. That's worse than Tinder. Like, <laughs> Tinder at least has, like, some class. This is, like, a step below just buying a prostitute. Well, what else can you <laughs> buy on Craigslist? Well, apparently, we, we, oh, Everything. Not... Okay. Uh, so... Uh, this comes from the Chicago Tribune uh, from Josh Knoll. Um, we've talked about him several times. Yep. Uh, but a Chicago brewery is available for $2.5 million on Craigslist. Because that's where I put something worth $2.5 million. Yeah, I'm like, so are they saying that they, they're willing to haggle? Because anytime I buy something on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace, I'm a perpetual fucking lowballer. <laughs> you put something for... F- 200 bucks? I'm like, I'll give you 75. <laughs> you just are, are on a crusade to piss everybody off. Oh, dude. Well, they're trying to get rid of it because they're in a pinch. They need the money. They're tired of looking at it in their house. Or their significant other told them to get rid of it, it or they would leave. So. Fair. All right. So you're taking people advantage of other people's misery. Yeah. That's nothing less of you. That's the reason I bought a house during the pandemic. That's Apparently, that's a good choice. I just saw an, uh, an article saying that house prices are screaming back to normal. Oh, yeah. So, you did well. They didn't fucking tank here. So, <laughs> I just got a smoking they, interest. Actually, actually, they just like flatlined for a little bit, which is the extent of them going down in Idaho. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, so with this here, uh, Argus Brewery, which... Uh, According to the article, quietly stopped operating on Chicago's far south side in late March is available on Craigslist for $2.5 million. Uh, Included in the sale is the 9,700 square foot building in the Roseland neighborhood of Chicago. Brewing equipment, furniture, electronics, a delivery van, and arduous intellectual property. Uh, 
It was posted in late May, uh, but it only really started to gain social media traction last week when someone happened to notice it on Craigslist. <laughs> just happened to notice. <laughs> so I like the fact that just where can all right? Well, let's sell our brewery. Um, let's sell it on fucking Craigslist. Where, where, where do we reply? I don't know. Fucking Craigslist. Have you been drinking? Yeah, pretty much nonstop. Just <laughs> yeah. Instead of hiring a like commercial real estate person or or someone to try to sell the fucking place, sell the business, you go on fucking Craigslist. And according to the article, this isn't the first brewery that's been sold on Craigslist. <laughs> what? Well, well, I guess what we're saying is that this is more common than you think. Uh, in 2017. An unnamed Virginia brewery was listed for sale on Craigslist. <laughs> Hold on a second. Let me see here. I, was, I haven't popped up Craigslist for a while, so let me just pop it up here. Oh, yeah, look. There's a Men Seeking Breweries uh, uh, <laughs> category. I did not, well, I did not know it was that common. Uh, so according to the Craigslist listing, uh, the brewery can produce as much as 10,000 barrels per year, a figure uh, that Argus has never approached. Which makes it a perfect turnkey operation. We've never been able to hit that number, but you can. <laughs> We're just shitty at our jobs. Trust us. Take this fucking shit pile off our hands. Uh, the little backstory on the building that they're in, that's uh, you'll be taking over when you get it. Okay. Uh, originally the home to the horse stable for Schlitz Beer Company. <laughs> So you're already in the shit. Oh my god. (laughs) Not even like a part of the Schlitz beer, like the horse stable. (laughs) You're knee deep in shit already. I mean, I hope they shovel that out before they put stuff in, (laughs) but maybe not if they're that bad at their jobs. Also included a large freight elevator with original motor designed by Nikolai Tesla that still works. I mean, yeah, all electric, all electric motors were designed by Nikolai Tesla. That's what he invented, but I mean... But I think this is... Oh, especially this... Okay. Like, back in that day. Oh, okay. So he actually may have installed it. Yeah. So, impressive that that still works. You know, that piece of equipment's probably worth more to a fucking museum was, than the fucking company I was company say, is. I mean, the, there's the, the right buyer. That motor is worth more than the brewery. The best part of this whole thing. Oh, God. The brewery founder, Bob Jensen, didn't know of the posting until Tuesday. Woo. Okay. (laughs) Elaborate. Uh, According to him. How do you fucking... (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, his name's Bob, so... Hi, Bob. Uh... Crocker Jack job, Bob. (laughs) He said his real estate agent must have made the listing. He's been trying to sell the brewery since April. So apparently his real estate agent couldn't offload the brewery in April. So in May decided... So in March they shut their doors. April they tried to sell it. May he's like, fuck it, let's make a Craigslist thing. Maybe I'll get some attention. 
Come June, it blows the fuck up, and it gets a fucking article. I mean, okay, let's talk results. I mean, on the surface, you got a real estate agent who says, fuck it, I'll put it on Craigslist. But we're you and I are talking about it. In Idaho. <laughs> no, 100%. So, let's, I mean, we're, I, I'm saying stupid like a fox. <laughs> but the fact that the real estate agent couldn't get any fucking looks before Craigslist... To me, says, is that like a soccer mom who really just became a real estate, or someone who became a real estate agent because it's easy to make money, and then when the recession hits, they jump out of a building because they're fucking drowning in debt and kill themselves? Well, I mean, thank you, Nihilist Arby's, but I mean, apparently not. Apparently, they're uh, they're uh, uh, a savant in real estate. You know, like fuck it, put it on Craigslist and become a national. If it sells. It hasn't sold yet, then. Uh, so Who wouldn't want a, a, a <laughs> shitty brewery shoved into a horse stable with, admittedly, a Tesla engine somewhere in a in the in the equation? Uh, so they've had apparently interest from two current breweries in the Chicago area, and three Kings and convicts going to pick it up. Just oh! <laughs> Kings and Com- convicts just becomes a fucking conglomerate. <laughs> they just they just like we'll buy it. We don't give a shit anymore. We got we got Ballast Point money. <laughs> We're at Bob Ballas Point. How much you want? Ah, that's nothing. All right, all right. Wait, uh, so they paid a hundred mil for Ballas Point, correct? Yes. So for two percent of that, you can get another. Bill. But I mean, they have the same. They have the same like uh, urge that you do. So I mean, <laughs> you see that Craigslist? What do you offer, Tyler? <laughs> what are you, What are you stepping up to that? Two hundred fifty thousand. <laughs> And if I if I didn't just drop that much basically on a house, I'd probably be like, pay two hundred fifty grand for it. <laughs> Fuck off. Okay, uh, this offer's good for a month, and then it drops down to two hundred and ten grand every day after. Uh, let me know when you want to take my offer. <laughs> you know you can't. You- Speaking of that, I gotta get a hold of a Facebook Marketplace person trying to sell a bagging lawnmower that he we were negotiating last week and i was like highest i can do and he's like if you do this i'll i'll sell it to you now i was like no good luck trying to sell it still been on the market for like two weeks so i'm gonna reach back out i'll go to like ten dollars higher than i was and be like hey offer still available to the gentleman who who uh, is selling that lawnmower, you're probably not listening, but you don't know who you're fucking with. I mean, <laughs> uh, see, here's the thing you have to know about Tyler. I, I figured this out from many years of knowing him. Um, he doesn't give a shit, so <laughs> he'll just wear you down by the sheer by the sheer force of his uh, apathy. So uh, sell him the uh, sell him the fucking lawnmower, and then so he can go and buy this piece of shit brewery. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I did have a friend. We were trying to get ski poles to play Beersby in the backyard in college. Driving down the road, trying to find a yard sale. See a yard sale. Pull in. It's in like this church parking lot. See ski poles. I'm like, fuck yeah. I was like, how much for these? Ski poles? So, Beersby, you put ski poles in the yard. Uh, bottle of beer on each. You got to throw a Frisbee. You're drinking beers. You got to catch the Frisbee. But if you hit the ski pole, it's one point. If you hit the and the bottle falls to the ground, it's two points. You played it like eleven. This is what I lo- this is why I lost not being in the frat. Uh, well, I do this, and there's like four of us there. 
I walk up, I'm like, so how much for the ski poles? And she goes, oh, well, so we're doing this yard sale to help raise money for this little girl with leukemia. (laughs) Again, lady, you do not know who you're dealing with. (laughs) And she starts rattling it off. And all my friends look at me and go, oh, no. (laughs) And she's like, so we're asking like five or ten dollars for these ski poles. Tyler, <laughs> what what is going to be carved in the book of reasons that you are going to hell when you die? <laughs> Not this. Because I was like, fuck this bitch one. She guilt tripped me. <laughs> Handed her the cash, took the ski poles, and we got drunk that night. But everyone looked at me and was like, I thought you were going to be like, I'll give you 250 <laughs> She needs the money. Can you break a five? Like... <laughs> I'm glad to know that somewhere deep inside you there see, is a there mur- is still there's still the flickering light of a soul. <laughs> but that so, being said, you're still offers on the table two hundred grand apparently. Yeah, go in on it. Hundred grand each. Sure. We moved to Chicago and sure. I can't see that ending poorly in any sense of the word. <laughs> uh, if I can end up finding this Craigslist post. Uh, I'll have Jeremy share it out on our social media, but I haven't been able to find it. All right. All right. One last story today. Um, Tyler, do you like drinking beer? No, I hate it. Okay. Oh, found it. Oh, seriously? Yep. That took... Yep, yep, there it is. I mean, all right, for a horse stable, it actually does look nice. Uh, Apparently, they've won awards at GABF World Beer Cup and World Beer Championship. I mean, okay. Okay. So, before we get into this next article, we're in the weeds now. I, I gotta go. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna read you the Craigslist posting. Do it. Uh, landmark building in historic Pullman District, originally built as the Joseph E. Schlitz Distribution Stables, where beer was distri- distributed by horse-drawn wagons and sold in lard line buckets in one of the nation's first planned industrial communities. Formerly Argus Brewing, producing beers that have won awards at GABF, blah, blah, blah. Current production has ability to reach 10,000 barrels per year. Perfect turnkey operations. Ability to add taproom and kitchen with side lot or keep open for brewery events. TripAdvisor, number one rated brew house tour in Chicago. Really? Apparently. Fully equipped security system with cameras in every room. 32 total. Uh, Building has been completely reinforced with metal beams throughout. Exterior has been recently tuck pointed along with brand new electrical. 440 amp. Plumbing and roof. Large freight elevator with original motor designed by Nikolai Tesla. Still works. Included in sale. All remaining equipment, furniture, IP, and delivery vehicle. Located south of 113th Street on Front Avenue across from train tracks. 0.1 miles to the Kensington 115th Street Metro train station. Easy access to the expressway and multiple bus stops. Area tenants include Pullman National Monument, Walmart, Harborside International Golf Center, Dutch Farms, Whole Foods Distribution Facility, Amazon Distribution Facility, recently approved, and much more. Qualifies for the Neighborhood Opportunity Fund Grant 
through City of Chicago. Dutch Farms recently received $3 million in grant money and plan to expand their business with additional funds. Uh, 2018 taxes, $22,896.86. Their alderman is Anthony Beal of the 9th Ward. Uh, Zoning is C1-1. And property is represented by a licensed Illinois state real estate broker. Bottom line, okay. I, I, I take back my, my, my cynical laughing when they say it was a horse sale. I mean, that's, that looks like a nice building. And when they describe it, like, okay, it's a distribution center pre-motor you know pre motor vehicles. Okay. M- that yeah, makes more it's sense. It's still the fucking horse stable. Eh, it's a brick building. It looks nice. I'll, I will grant them that. So, uh, I just texted you that. To post that link. Gotcha. So that'll, that'll be on our uh, Twitter account. And sure, we may put it on Facebook uh, in case any of you lovely people want to buy a brewery. And why wouldn't you in Chicago? I mean, if someone could get it for 200 grand, I will come buy a keg from you and high-five you and say, nice job, guys. I mean... If if if, if you listen that to that is po- some low baller respect. If you're if 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 you need a little bit of assistance and you know and in, in bringing that offer, I think Tyler will like you know will like step in and like give him a phone call or something like. All right, here's what's I'll going give you to- 150 grand, <laughs> and then your offer looks a lot better. See, there you go. So even Tyler will like step in and like and, and make you look good. Okay. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> uh so you don't like drinking beer, so this you know no, that no, that, terrible. that explains the, uh, the your constantly drinking of seltzer water. Yeah, um, and my beer gut. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you like hiking? Oh, love it! I mean, that's just what I want to do every day is hike. Okay, so today we're in opposite world. Um, <laughs> well, there are people who uh, who like enjoy the great outdoors and beer, um, and for I the- mean, I love camping. But, you know, walking. Unless I'm going to shoot an animal out in the woods, I ain't fucking walking in the woods. <laughs> well, if Or looking for huckleberries or mushrooms. Well, if you happen to enjoy hiking and you enjoy drinking beer, um, Anheuser-Busch has the job for you. Uh, they have just announced the opening of their chief hiking officer position. Um, now, it's actually Devil's Backbone Brewery located in uh, Virginia that's, uh, that is, uh, um, that's doing this. Um, they are uh, hiring somebody to uh, uh, hike across 14 states. Damn. Are uh, they doing the, the Appalachian, Appalachian Trail? Trail. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 842 miles. Um, and uh, uh, actually, you know, and apparently the, the Devil's Backbone is near there. Um, but... Anyway, once cho- so once chosen, the chief hiking officer will get to paid to get paid to hike the entire trail for the for half of twenty twenty one, starting on March first. Um, they'll be provided uh, the airfare to get there, and we'll have beer parties hosted by Anheuser Busch along the way, and a twenty thousand dollars stipend. There's yeah. worse things. There's worse things. Worse reasons to walk 842 miles. Um, now, there's a four-phase selection process. It starts with a, uh, a an application entry, which you can find at uh, Devil's Backbone, Devil Devil's Backbone's website. The double plural is tripping me up. Um, you have to include a uh, uh, you know a written portion um, and a 60-second video, both explaining why you are passionate about uh, uh, hawking Anheuser Busch. And you know, walking in the woods. <laughs> so you basically have to you know uh, explain not only that you're a good corporate whore, but you like walking for no reason. Just hire a homeless person. 
<laughs> um, and the first rounds of application are being uh, are due by July 31st. Um, those who apply are, you know, the, you have to be first of all very experienced, uh, a, a very experienced outdoorsman. So you're out, Tyler. I grew up outdoors. <laughs> yeah, but you've let yourself go. <laughs> I mean, fair just, enough. They look at you. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Hey, I'd have till March to get in shape. So <laughs> you have until July thirty first. Hmm. I got till March till I have to actually have to get my fat but ass. Also, off. have to be familiar with the social media because you have to like document your entire trip. That's where you'd fail. Yeah. I just don't want Google and Facebook making that much money off me. Also, you have to be 21 years of age and a resident of Washington, D.C., Delaware, Georgia, Indiana, Kentucky, Maryland, North Carolina, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. So, everywhere west of the Mississippi Pretty is much. excluded. So, basically, you have to be on the Appalachian Trail or, you know, go fuck off. Um, after the first round of applications are received... Uh, they'll be judged by a panel, given a given an assignment, and then receive a background check. And then, finally, maybe then, they'll give you a backpack, a shitload of, uh, of de- maybe Devil's Backbone, maybe just fucking Bud Light, and told to... You need to hydrate. <laughs> and told to, to, to fend for yourself for 800-plus miles on the Appalachian Trail. So, uh, again... Uh, if you live in those states and, you know, decide you want to, uh, uh, back, backpack for Bud, uh, there's your, there's your opportunity. Oh shit! Just one of the just one of the many opportunities that that uh, Anheuser Busch. You can also I don't know if the, the, the well you mentioned a few weeks ago. Uh, uh, they'll send you a bush if you buy it or adopt a dog. Yeah, they did that. Didn't get any of the marriage ones. So, damn Miller. Ah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, they've been kind of popping out some fun little promos. So. I mean, you know. We're, we're talking about, but I mean, otherwise, you know, again, backpacking for Bud. Backpacking for Bud. <laughs> Tyler, anything to add today? Uh, yeah, we got a little update on, uh, it was one of the, it was the episode, I want to say that I was gone for, but you had the arrogant bastard, Jaeger yes. mix, uh, about the reindeer fucking label. Oh, that's right. Um. So, little backstory. Uh, according to the Charlotte Observer, uh, Sycamore Brewing uh, could pay a thousand dollar fine. Uh, so, the oh North Carolina God. Alcohol Beverage Control Commission meeting requires the brewery to pay the thousand dollar fine by July second, or take a ten day license suspension, which would begin on July 9th. So a little bit of backstory on this one. Um, Sycamore Brewing uh, uh, came out with a uh, uh, came out with a beer, um, um, and uh, on the can, if you look very hard, um, you see pixelated reindeer engaged in you know the making of other reindeer. Um, I mean, it's sort of a I mean, it's not explicit, it's sort of adorable. But where it all kind of came to a head was um, uh, basically some lady in a grocery store saw it and had a Karen moment. And, you know, freaked out to the manager and they had to pull it. But uh, as my wife would say, we watched a KIA today, a Karen in action <laughs> at Walmart when we were picking some shit up. I was like, oh, yeah, that yep. guy probably wishes he died. Yep. This is a, this is so. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is a Karen is ruined craft beer now. Yep. Uh, so all in all, this was apparently a compromise 
that was ratified Wednesday. Uh, there were a total of 55 hearing cases on this. <laughs> that resulted in penalties in excess of $66,000. Holy fuck nuts. So, $1,000 fine, take it. Uh, yeah, take it. Just, you know, as, as, as the good people at Lagunitas uh, said... Uh, you get the crime, do, do the, the time, time you get, get the, the bragging, bragging rights. rights. <laughs> uh, and one other piece of good news. Uh, state of California right now just removed the thing that uh, you can now go into a bar or restaurant and just order a alcoholic beverage without having to order food with it as well. Uh, yeah, I read that. So, you know, you, you, can just, you can just have a beer, which is, you know, that's food by itself. All right. Well, this has been It's All Beer. Um, I, shit, I've got a lot of shit to put up on Twitter right, right now. But um, you can find apparently a Craigslist ad for a, uh, for a brewery um, and maybe some pixelated reindeer fucking and, uh, and uh, the other stories we've used to uh, make this episode. You can find that all on Twitter. Um, we've got, we're on Facebook and uh, Instagram. You can find out what we're drinking and when episodes are coming out. Uh, find that at It's All Beer. And if you find stories that uh, that are that you find interesting and want us to you know to uh, read and make fun of, uh, you can send them to us. Uh, we're at it's all beer at gmail.com. And uh, of course, if you're uh, if you're listening to this and you're enjoying it, um, well, thank you. Um, sometimes I'm not sure why, especially when I go off script. But um, but if you do, uh, uh, leave us a rating. We, you can rate us on Facebook. Uh, you can rate us on iTunes. Possibly other places. I don't know. It may make a difference. It may not. But wherever you listen, rate us. Yeah. And so you know, tell tell Tyler he does a good job because really, after every time we record, Tyler cries. And Jeremy hits. Right. Well, that's Tyler cries because I hit him. Do a better job, Tyler. He doesn't hit me that hard. I kind of like it. We, we get kind of kicky. Whoa, we. So Off anyway, the right. again. So anyway, this will so uh, that that's will be all from us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. Talk dirty. Have fun. Thank you.